0: Hi there, welcome back to JS TV, uh, history of Rangers series with historian David Herd. My name is Golden Bond, I will be hosting tonight's interview with David. Uh, in recent weeks, in recent episode, we've talked a great deal about Rangers, we've talked about uh, our best strikers in our history, our wonderful wizards, we've talked about great goalkeepers, we've talked about uh, the late great Walter Tull, and we've talked about our 25-year wait for a Scottish Cup final win at the start of last century. So eh, please check out our Spotify channel. Obviously, you're on it right now, so please check out the preceding episodes. Eh, And without much further ado, tonight's episode is going to be about eh, two of our eh, European finals in, in the 60s. Uh, obviously, we're all just back from Seville, and we all remember Manchester. Uh, we had the glory of 1972, but uh, as David will tell us shortly, there's two finals that are not forgotten as such, but not really spoken about as much. So uh, I'm going to pass you over to our great friend of GES TV, uh, David Herd, and he will introduce his, uh, his thoughts for tonight.
1: Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks very much, Gordon. Yeah, as you say... um, I thought I'd I thought I'd talk about the two the first two European finals Rangers reached. Um, Rangers have reached five European finals, which is two more than any other Scottish club, and everyone tends to know about the three most recent ones. Where obviously Barcelona nineteen seventy two needs needs no real introduction, and the two finals after that have both been pretty recent in two thousand and eight and then this year. But uh, as I say, the, the the first two finals probably are. Too long ago now for a great many people to have really seen them, and they're not really talked about that much. So I thought I'd, I thought I'd cover the two European campaigns that we reached the final one in the nineteen sixties. Please do. Okay, so I'll I'll start in season nineteen sixty sixty one, and I, probably when you talk about European football back then, it's you've got to give a little bit of context, maybe for for younger listeners, because it's it was a very different uh, thing than than the younger people will be used to. So there there was no group stages, there was no seedings, there was no coefficients. It was just an open draw right from the start of a competition. You played home and away and the winners went through. Basically as simple as that. And up until 1960, there actually only was one European competition, which was the European Cup. And you had to win the league to get into it. So in 1960, there was a second competition started. And it was for national cup winners. The so teams that won their domestic cup went into this new competition called the European Cup Winners Cup. They say that This was the very first year of it. And Rangers had won the, the Scottish Cup the previous season with beating Kilmarnock in the final at hand in 1960. Uh, and they went into the European Cup Winners Cup that first season. And it was a very, almost like an experimental tournament at the time. Um, UEFA we weren't quite sh- weren't quite sure what kind of um, response it would get from from home nations because domestic football was still seen in a lot of countries as more important. And maybe as a sign of that, the first ever European Cup-miners Cup tournament actually only attracted ten teams. Ten, which, which is probably absolutely unthinkable now. Well, um, yeah, you put that in the
0: context of today's European competitions, when there's, yeah. you know, I mean, if you take into account, you know, England and, and Spain, there's ten teams for those countries alone, almost.
1: Yeah, well, so in effect, to to win that tournament, um, a team basically had to win more or less the same number of games as quite often teams have now got to play just to qualify for a group stage. Oh,
0: yeah, um, of
1: <laughs> if you think if you think about it that way, um, so the. the the first European Cup, there cup, was only 10 teams. There was no team from Spain. There was no team from France. There was no team from Portugal. And actually, a couple of countries kind of bent the rules a little bit and entered their league runners-up instead of their cup winners because they thought yeah. that might give them, give them a, maybe it was a short winner or something in their, in their cup, and they thought they would have a better chance with their runners-up in it. So there was 10 teams, but there were some pretty strong teams in it. Um, and, and I'll get to them because we just basically played a couple of them. Um so with ten teams in it, it basically means the six teams went straight into the quarterfinals and four teams had to play in a first round. And Rangers being Rangers came out the hat to have to play in this first round. Uh, the- drew-
0: <laughs> now, I am just sorry, I know you're getting into full flow, so just again yeah, a fine. bit of context here. Uh, I don't know if you watched the Champions League draw uh last week, two weeks ago now, or a week and a half ago now, when it was yeah, so populated and so complicated, so complicated. You couldn't have this team going to that group and that team going to this <laughs> city and blah, blah, yeah. blah. But back then, it was literally names out of a hat.
1: It was just totally names out of a hat. So I'd imagine, and I wasn't, I didn't, I've never actually seen it, but I would imagine the draw for this very first round of the European Cup when Cup. was caught. basically there was 10 teams, 10 names went into a hat, four names get pulled out, and the order they get pulled out was the order they play each other. And the other six just got to buy. <laughs> that is crazy. Would so it have it, it, been as simple as that? So Rangers drew um, a Hungarian team, Ferencvaros. Ferencvaros, um, okay. Ferenc- Ferencvaros were actually they, they, they were actually a pretty good team. They, they 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 hadn't won the Hungarian league the year before. They'd actually finished second in it. Um, but that was seen as a, that was seen as a reasonably tough test. Um, and we drew them at home first. Uh, and the home the home leg. Um at Ibrox attracted a crowd of 36,000 which was a wee bit less than the European games from the previous season in the European Cup and if you think about Rangers back then, Rangers actually reached the semi-final of the European Cup the season before this. They were one of the favourites for this Cup, this this tournament uh, So they played Fernsevales at Ibrox, 36,000 were there and it's probably Probably one of the things it's best remembered for was the first ever European appearance of Jim Baxter because he had signed from Wraith Rovers that summer. Um, Rangers were 1-0 down at half-time. But the team clicked into gear in the second half and they won 4-2. Centre forward at the time, Jimmy Miller. He got a couple of goals. Ralph Brand, who was a top scorer at that time. He got a goal as well. And and Harold Davis uh, scored the other one. Nice. Then we won 4-2. So that gave us a two-goal weekend across to Hungary and we actually needed it um, because Rangers went 2-0 down in that game, back to four each in aggregate and that wonderful left winger David Wilson popped up with a goal with 20 minutes to go to put us through 5-4 in aggregate. So it was a pretty tough opening round but Rangers managed to get through to the quarterfinals. And in the quarterfinals, they drew a pretty well-known name these days but it was actually a pretty unknown name in 1960, and that was the German Cup winners at Borussia München Gladbach. Um, that was actually the very first trophy Borussia München Gladbach had ever won, it was the, that German Cup the season before. Okay. And they, they were surprise winners, and they weren't really seen as a, one of the major teams in Germany at the time. Um, and the first leg was, was away from home this time. Um, there was a big crowd over in Germany, and there was a lot of uh, servicemen there. There's a lot of at that time, there was a lot of British soldiers serving in Germany.
0: it was a Cold War, wasn't it? So you would have lost.
1: Of... So um, oh, there was a sport. lot, of, a lot of servicemen there, and it? and and they saw a pretty eventful game over there. In all honesty, Borussia weren't the Rangers' class. Rangers were a much better team than them. Rangers were two up at half time. Jimmy Wall scored again. Alex Scott scored. Um, the referee was from Yugoslavia, and he completely lost it that night. Apparently. Um, he awarded Borussia a penalty just before half-time for something that nobody really knew what it was for, but Rangers goalkeeper George not saved it. Then in the second oh, yeah. half, the Germans completely lost the place and they started kicking anything that moved, basically. Yeah. Um, Rangers players suffered all kinds of bumps and bruises that night. The referee seemed to let the Germans away with it and it took the one and only Mr Harold Davis to sort it out. He decided not to wait for the referee anymore and... Uh, with about 25 minutes to go, a German fell due on the pitch after Mr. Davis connected with a right hook. And that seemed to sort the game out after that. <laughs> um, well. The German was taken off in a stretcher, semi-conscious, uh, taken to hospital for an x-ray in his jaw, which wasn't broken. But uh, apparently he had two loose teeth. So <laughs> Harold Davis's army training, obviously, <laughs> came, came into good effect that night to sort things out. When the game calmed down again, Ian McMillan scored Rangers 1-3-0. And when they left the park, the Rangers players were absolutely furious with their German counterparts, who they thought had basically tried to injure them. Uh, So when the the Germans came to Ibrox for the second leg, there's 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 a legendary story. I don't know. I haven't actually seen if it's true or not. But there's a story that when the Germans came to train on Ibrox, Harold Davis stayed behind after training and just stood in the touchline and watched them during the training. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if don't it's not know. true, I want it to be true. Yeah, I was. You <laughs> let
0: took t- t- the words out of my mouth. Uh, let's say. Let's just say it.
1: Let's just say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, as a as a bit of an aside, um, my, my old man obviously watched Rangers for many a year, and if you talk to him about who the hardest Rangers player was that he ever saw, the guy that uh, the guy that you would want in the trenches with you. Um, he talked with guys like Bobby Shearer, guys like Wally Woodburn, but the, the name that came out number one in it was Harold Davis. He said he was he was a man never to be messed with. So anyway, Harold Davis apparently watched them train before the game. There was 40,000 turned up, not quite sure what to expect with this German team, and they were in their best behaviour on out, um, which was probably a bad thing for them because Rangers beat them ain't nothing.
0: Which was Rangers'
1: biggest win in Europe until 1983 when we played a wee team from Malta called Valletta we beat them 10-0 um, but basically the players were obviously pretty annoyed still from the first leg and they just showed them no mercy all night it was 5-0 at half time it was 8-0 at full time I, I very much doubt we i ever see Rangers or any Scottish team ever taking 8 off a German team again um, Ralph Brown got a hat-trick played various other players also. scored Baxter got his first European goal that night in fact Harold Davis scored as well and that put us into the semi-final um and in the semi final, Rangers got the draw probably the Scottish public wanted them to get because the favourites for the cup that year were Wolverhampton Wanderers, um, who were one of the I can feel
0: a song coming on,
1: yeah, that's, be, that's because a song was invented for this game. Um, uh-huh. yeah, Wolves were one of the giants English football at the time, they had won the. They'd won the English League three times in the previous seven seasons. Um, they actually ended that season in third place behind the Gate Spurs team that won the double. But they, they, were, they were a real powerhouse English football. They'd won the FA Cup the season before and they were regarded as probably the favourites for the tournament. So Rangers drew them. Uh, unfortunately, by the time we played them, uh, there was a little bit of an injury crisis at, in the Rangers team. Um, the game was a complete 80,000 sellout. And the team had no Ian McMillan and it had no Jimmy Miller. Jimmy Miller actually hadn't played for quite a while, but then he he got injured in January. And his deputy, uh, a goal scorer called Max Murray, got injured the Saturday before and he didn't play either. So Scott Simon had to figure out who to put centre forward that night. And I'm quite sure most of the fans couldn't understand what he was doing, but a reserve centre-half called Doug Bailey a gentleman who um he actually wrote for the Sunday post for years when i was when i was young um he actually just passed away not that long ago i think I've, 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 a... I've
0: actually seen, I've actually seen his name in columns
1: I'm yeah sure. he he was a, he wrote for the Sunday Post for years and years he was a main football writer um so Doug Bailey who was basically the team's reserve centre half played centre forward that night against one of the best teams in England <laughs> and then uh, just to make things even more complicated not long into the game, Harold Davis pulled a muscle, and this was before the days of substitutes, so he had to go basically an outplay out in the wing. So Rangers were, had 10, ten and a half players against one of the best teams in England without two, two of their best players, and yet Rangers went on to win 2-0. Uh, Alex Scott, the Rangers and Scotland right winger, he scored. Wolves pounded them in the second half. Billy Ritchie had an excellent game in goals, and then in the last few minutes, I think about five, six minutes to go, uh, Ralph Brand scored the second goal. Um, I think it's fair to say up until that point in Rangers history, that was probably Rangers' best win in Europe that, that night. when um, They beat Bulls 2-0. But also they still they still had to go to Wolverhampton in the second leg. Now, by the time the second leg it played, the Saturday before it, Scotland played England at Wembley in the home internationals. Uh, Bobby Shearer played in it, Eric Calder played in it, David Wilson played in it, and the game finished England 9, Scotland 3, huh. <laughs> which was a bit of a national disaster at the time. Um, Scottish football was was ridiculed down south, basically, um, and this, this may sound strange these days, but Rangers going down there was seen as a bit of a, to bring national pride back to Scotland. Rangers were Scotland's flag bearers going down there that, that Wednesday night. Um and that was the game that this as you said earlier on, the song Wolverhampton Town got invented about this game down in Wolves. Um my, my dad was actually at that game and the the the, the supporters marched through the city of Wolverhampton to Mollenue before the game. Uh-huh. Um and as as I'm sure you can you know the song, Gordon, the football it mm. was grand from McMillan Scotland brand. So yes. Um, it was Alex Scott that scored Rangers' first goal that night, just before half halftime, uh, put Rangers 3-0 up, and that that made it look as if they were just about through. But the, the real, probably memorable part of that particular match came just about a minute after Rangers scored, to right almost in the stroke of halftime. Uh, we also had an international player called Ron Flowers, who burst into the box and bumped one right in towards the top corner. And the great Billy Ritchie, the goalkeeper for the early 60s, made an, an unbelievable save, tipped it over to around the post. It was described at the time as the, you know, there's all this exaggeration, probably because it was a Scotland England thing. But a lot of the papers at the time told, called it the greatest save ever by a Scottish goalkeeper and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so 1 0 at half time. Wolves never really looked at pulling it back. They did equalise in the second half, so they did finish one each. But that was Rangers in the final, um, and it was the first and only time that the European Cup Winners' Cup final was to get played over two legs. Um, from then, every year after that, it was it was just a, a one-off final. But it was played over two legs, and it was against the Italian Cup holders, Fiorentina. yeah. Um, now Fiorentina um, had an excellent team at the time; uh, they had won the Italian league. Few seasons before it, and they'd actually reached the European Cup final a couple of seasons before when they lost Naruto to that great Real Madrid team who won the first five European Cups. They were a good team for them, uh, And the first leg was at Ibrooks. Um, Jimmy Miller was still missing, unfortunately. Um, another 80,000 sell out. Rangers actually won the league just before it, uh, they won it in the very last day. They had to beat United the last day at Hamden. They beat them 7-3. Alex Scott scored the hard trick. So they were the new champions. As I said, Jimmy Miller wasn't playing, though. And it started a bit of a curse of Rangers centre forwards. And I'll talk about it when I talk about the next tournament, how the Rangers centre forward didn't play in that final either. Um, so they, what Scott Simon decided to do this time, Yeah, he didn't play Duke Bailey this time, luckily. Uh, he moved David Wilson to the right wing. He brought in his reserve left winger, chap the name of Bobby Hume, and Alex Scott moved from the wing to centre forward. So at least it looked like a more attacking team this time. And the other strange thing that night was that um, Rangers played in their away strip. They played in blue and white stripes, which they also wore actually in the away, the away leg. And if you think of... If if you're asked what Rangers' um, home kit, what is it? It's a royal blue shirt, it's white, shorts... And it's black and red socks. Rangers have played in five European finals and they've never worn that kit once.
0: Huh.
1: Str- strangely, for, re- Strange. for various reasons, they've never actually worn all their colours in, in any of these finals. Fiorentina played in a kind of lilac colour and they decided it was a bit too much light blue, so they both kind of changed. They, they wore a kind of white way, with, with purple writing on it, and Rangers wore blue and white stripes. The 80, people were, I suppose... This was the night, I think, that um, a lot of people in Scotland realised that tactically the, the Europeans were a little bit ahead of the, the Scottish mentality at that time. Because in effect, Rangers just played European games exactly the same way they played domestic games. There was no difference. They played the same eleven and they played the yeah. same way. Um, whereas the Italians and some other countries were a bit more sophisticated than that. Um So what the Italian tactics were that night was what you would expect from an Italian team back in the 1960s. In effect, they packed their defence, they tried to make sure Rangers didn't score, and they tried to hit the break. And they were really cynical. Every time somebody was looking through, they would bring them down. Cynical fouls all over the place. And it worked out perfectly for them. Um, Actually, Fiorentina scored with with a first attack. It was all Rangers for the first eight or nine minutes. They broke up the park, and a guy called Luigi Milan... So Milan scored for Fiorentina at Ibrox, 1-0. Yeah. Uh, not long after it rangers got a penalty. Ian McMillan got brought down. Uh, and the captain Eric Calder, took it. And he got he got basically got distracted to the goalkeeper was a guy called Albertozzi, who, if you ever watch uh, the famous nineteen seventy World Cup final, the Great Brazil team, he was the Italian goalkeeper for that in that again Pelianco Co slaughtered Italy in the World Cup. Mexico, he was the goalkeeper, and what he did was just when Eric, when Eric Caldo ran up to the ball, he basically jumped off his line, he went about two or three yards off his line towards Eric Caldo, completely distracted him. Eric Caldo put it past the post. Players thought the referee would get to retake it, but they didn't, so he missed it. The game went on, it increasingly desperate. Rangers threw more and more into it, couldn't break the Italians down, and then guess what, near the end. They broke away again and Milan scored again, and the game finished 2 0 to the Italians. It's kind of like a movie, I think, a lot as I've seen over the years in European football, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, in effect, we had a second leg to play in Italy, 2 0 down. Scott Simon gambled. He, he he brought Jimmy Miller back, even though he hadn't played since January, and he was nowhere really near match fit, but he decided to play him because it was the last game of the season, anyway. Um, Unfortunately, this guy, Milan, scored again early on. So, you know, that was his third goal of the final. Rangers basically attacked for most of the rest of the game. They finally got a goal back through Alex Scott, so Alex Scott became the first Rangers player to score in a European final. The Italians basically defended for the rest of the game. Being Italians it didn't matter; they were at home because they were winning. And then guess what? Five six minutes to go, they broke away and scored again. Uh, a guy called Kurt Hamrin, who was a Swedish international, scored them. So it ended up Fiorentina four, Rangers won in aggregate. And to be fair, probably the team that. The better European football and the more tactically aware team won the trophy. Yeah. Um, and Rangers had reached a final for the first time, it was the first time a Scottish team had reached a final. If you don't include the unofficial Fairs Cup, it was the first time a British team reached a final. Uh, but unfortunately, we didn't win it. So that was that was season 1960 61. Um, the,
0: thank you, David. That's say uh, again. It's uh... It's fascinating to hear these uh, and even even things like uh, you know, there was no subs allowed, it's uh, for younger viewers yeah. and you know, you know, I grew up uh, major, my my, my, yeah. my first my first major European memories are the 1992-93 Champions League season, inaugural season when we played right. club etc. So that's my kind of first memories of European football, to be perfectly honest. So to hear these the, these uh, these episodes from our past are just fantastic. So yeah. what's
1: the next one? So the next one's season 1966 67. So basically six years later. Um so by then, um, the great team of the early 60s had really started to break up. Some of them had, you know, just reached the end of their careers with Rangers and left. So Ralph Brand was away, uh, Bobby Shearer, wow. Eric Caldo, none of them, Billy Ritchie, none of them were Rangers anymore. And some of the other players were were reaching the end of their Rangers careers. Uh, and it was also unfortunate the time that Celtic was starting to dominate Scottish football under Jock The Rangers qualified for the Cup Winners' Cup by beating Celtic in the previous year's Scottish Cup final, uh, the famous Kaya Hansen final. Yeah. Um. So they played in the Cup Winners' Cup, and this was the third time Rangers played in the Cup Winners' Cup. They had played it in 1962, 63, and they had lost in it to Tottenham. I I'd, maybe, maybe I I'd just mentioned there, but Spurs winning the double. Yeah. That season. Well, that great sports team won the FA Cup two years in a row. Then they won the Cup Winners' Cup the next season. They beat Rangers on the way to winning the trophy. They, they beat Athletic Madrid 5-1 in the final. They, they were a great team. Um, so anyway, Scott Simon was still the manager. 1966. And at this time, there was there was plenty of teams in the tournament. The Cup Winners' Cup was an established tournament. There, so yep. there was basically 32, 32 teams or thereabouts in it. Um, and in the first round, Rangers got a good draw. They, they drew Glen Toren, Northern Ireland. Um, and t- as a sign of this, a change in times, there was there was a few players played their first European games for Rangers. Kai Johansson was one of them. Uh, Dave Smith was another one who eventually, obviously, won the winners' cup in Barcelona a few years later. And a chap called Alex Smith, no relation to Dave Smith, through the same from the he that uh, was his European debut as well. And the game over in in Northern Ireland was actually the last of a European appearance for the great Jimmy Moore who left Rangers later that season. The game in, in Gontoran was was a little bit embarrassing for Rangers, actually. It finished one each in a game that Rangers were expected to win quite easily. Uh, Jim Forrest, our centre-forward at the time, who scored pot loads of goals for Rangers, he was missing that game to injury. George McLean, though, he he was a rather major goal scorer at the time. He, he scored in the first half, but Gontoran actually equalised with the last kick of the game. One each. Right, yeah. Pretty embarrassing at the time, pretty poor headlines Rangers got 30 odd thousand at Iberts the second leg and it was just an easy win uh, gone touring with Rangers in Rangers League Wally Johnson scored, Dave Smith scored George McLean scored and a, a young player that used to appear in posters of Rangers teams at the time but he very rarely played, a chap called Dennis Setterington, he scored that night as well, you see him in the 60s pictures, He a things up blonde here. But this time Celtic had won the first trophy of the season. They won the League Cup. They beat us 1-0 in the final. This sounds familiar actually. They beat us 1-0 in a final and a game Rangers absolutely dominated but couldn't score. Huh. Does that sound familiar to you? Yes, let's um, move on. Yeah. And in the, in the draw for the next round of the Cup Winners Cup, Rangers got what was regarded as the hardest draw possible. They, they drew the team that were the favourites to win the tournament and that was Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund were the holders of the trophy. They had actually won it at Hamden. Uh Previous season, they beat Liverpool in the final at Hamden, and that Liverpool team won the English League that that season. And then two of the players, well, actually, three of the players were in the squad, but two of the players played for the West Germany in the World Cup final that England beat them 4 2. Dortmund were a top, top quality team, and they were favourites for the tournament to retain it. There's a huge crowd at Ibrox 64,000 odd, um, great atmosphere. Kaya Hansen scored early on, went 1 0 up. And then there was a bit of controversy. Um, they had a they had a player called Lothar Emmerich who played in the World Cup final for West Germany. Um, he he was standing in the byline when play went forward and he realised he was offside, so he stepped off the pitch. You obviously you can't be offside if you're off the pitch. Yep. Um, the ball rebounded off John Gregg and it was going out for a corner. And Emmerich decided then to run back onto the pitch, stopped the ball on the byline, crossed it in, and one of his teammates headed it in. for one each. The Rangers players went nuts because they basically said this guy was offside. The referee presumably must have thought that he wasn't because John Gregg was the last player to touch it. Um, Presumably. But there was mass protests about it. Um, And many of the Rangers players said that they actually heard the referee blowing his whistle and had stopped playing. Rangers players were furious, the crowd were going on its, but it was one each um, but Rangers came back in the second half and Alex Smith, the guy they signed for in film uh, scored a, a winner with a header, so Rangers beat them 2-1 but this time the away goals rule had come in it right. didn't exist in the, that first tournament I talked about, but it, it came in by now, and so because they had the away goal, Dortmund just had to win 1-0 at home to go through, so they were regarded as pretty strong favourites to go through but Rangers had played a really, really good defensive game uh, over in Dortmund. And actually they played for an hour or so with only 10 players. Because uh, Bobby Watson, the midfield player, he get he got taken off with a bad ankle injury. And it was that guy Emmerich again. He obviously didn't like us very much. And there was no substitute still in European football at that point. There actually wasn't domestic football by then, but for some strange reason they weren't introducing European football to the next year. Ronnie McKinnon was brilliant at centre half that night. Apparently, he was. If you look at the newspaper reports, he got man of the match and just to all of them. And Rangers with ten men survived an absolute assault and got enough in each draw and get through two one in aggregate. Um, absolutely, every man a hero. You know, the, all the headlines talking about Rangers yeah. could go over and win it and now kind of thing because they, they knocked the favourites out. Quarter final draw, after getting the cup winners from Germany, they then get the cup winners of Spain which is Real Zaragoza, but home first. Another massive crowd at iBooks. This game was played in March 1967. And the reason I'm saying that is because I don't know if you're aware of what happened at the end of January 1967, the 28th of January. Rangers went to Berwick in the Scottish Cup and they lost 1-0 in what was regarded as the worst result in the club's history. And what Rangers then did, what... Scott Simon then did and the chairman John Lawrence did as they dropped and sold their two best goal scorers. So Jim Forrest who had scored 146 goals and 166 appearances for Rangers get sold to Preston and George McLean who had scored 83 goals and 119 appearances for Rangers get sold to Dundee. These two guys had scored 30 goals between them by January that season and they get rid of both of them. Talk about self-inflicted punishment. That's so incredible. It's it's just bonkers. And I don't think there's a single Rangers supporter at the time could believe what Rangers did. Um they, they two guys carried the can for getting beat by better actually. Now what that actually did though was it gave a chance to some younger players to come into the team. One of them was one of them was Sandy Jarden, who was an inside forward at the time. So Sandy Jarden made his debut the week after Berwick. And another one was Jim Forrest's cousin, Alec Willoughby, who had been at the club for a little while but was never really a, a regular. And he came in up front and he actually started scoring a lot of goals and in the three games before that Zaragoza game, he scored seven goals in those three games so he was in red hot form getting into that game we played Zaragoza and beat them 2-0 and Wallaby scored and Dave Smith got the other one Rangers were by far better team, things looked good for getting to the semi-finals but in the return leg, Ronnie McKinnon couldn't play, he got injured Uh, so our young centre-half called Colin Jackson got brought into the team he right, obviously okay. went on to have a stellar career with Rangers Rangers decided to play a defensive game they were two up um, they conceded a goal in the first half but never looked in a lot of danger after that coasting coasting towards the finishing line then near the end the referee gave the Spanish team a penalty for handball against John Gregg uh, John Gregg to this day I'm sure is absolutely adamant that never went near his arm it was all over the papers how angry he was about it but Penalty was given and they scored it 2-0. Two each in aggregate, extra time. Um, in the extra time, actually, the referee then gave Rangers a penalty. But we missed it. Dave Smith missed it. So it ended two each in aggregate. Now, these days, that would mean a penalty shootout. In 1967, yeah. it was the toss of a coin.
0: That's crazy.
1: <laughs> a European quarterfinal decided in a toss of a coin. Um, the referee was French. It was a two-franc coin. And John Gregg was asked to call and he got it right. So Rangers were in the semi-finals. The to person. be fair, it's,
0: it's it's
1: probably with the same odds as wearing a penalty shootout. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? It probably is. We've we've less skill in it right now. Um, yeah. The semi-finals, we've got a good draw. Bulgarian, Slavia, Sofia. away way like first. Um, we, in effect, we beat we beat them 1-0 twice. We beat them 1-0 over there. Uh, the goal over there was actually scored by David Wilson. That was his last ever... European game for the club. Uh Willie Johnson was out injured, so David Wilson came back into the team. He scored. Uh that actually meant he had scored in two different semi-finals in two different European competitions. And he's the only Rangers player that can say that to this day. Um the way leg was one 0 as I said, the home leg was also one nil. Willie Henderson scored the goal in that game. But the home game was was one that the supporters were kind of baffled about because uh Alec Willoughby got dropped for it after despite the fact he had Scored more than a goal a game since he came into the team. And a defender called Roger Hind played up front. I never talked about Doug Bailey before playing up front at centre yeah. forward. Well, Roger Hind then did it in this semi-final. He was absolutely no goal threat, but apparently he, he helped create the goal. So there you go, we get through, even with him up front. And the final was to get played in Nuremberg, Germany. Okay. And the team we were to play was Bayern Munich. And the Bayern Munich weren't the powerhouse they are now. They were a team in their eyes, though. They were just starting to make their name. They were just starting to win things in Germany. And they had a couple of real superstars on their team. Franz Beckenbauer and Gerd Noor. Beckenbauer in defence and Noor up front. Noor scored goals. also. Now, by the time we played this final, Celtic had won the treble and he'd won the European Cup. So there was a little bit of pressure on Rangers to win the game. Scott Simon was under a lot of pressure considering Celtic had just won the other European trophy. So what did the Ranger chairman decide to do the day before the game? He held a press conference and basically slagged the manager for playing too many defensive players, um, which obviously must have done very little for the morale of the team. And he also told the press that Rangers were, had decided to sack their chief scout, who was the great Jimmy Smith, the great forward, and he was going to get pensioned off. Um, talk about you know hearing your dirty washing in public. Um, it does seem a ridiculous big. thing to do the day before a European. Yeah, yeah
0: pretty strange timing there.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, Rangers then played uh, by Munich. No Jim Forrest. So, I talked about the curse of the centre forwards. So, you know, no Jimmy Moore the first time, no Jim Forrest the second time. But no Willoughby either. <laughs> uh, not even David Wilson, who could have played centre forward. No, guess what we did? We could personally be Roger Hind <laughs> at centre forward, even though he was a defender. And the inside forward, played Dave Smith, who was another defender. So, Chairman may have been right in what he said a little bit, although, but in saying that it was him that wanted a Forrest and and McLean, so he couldn't have it both ways. So guess what? The game, Rangers were the better team, but they, they were toothless up front. They never looked at like scoring. They ended nil nil. Roger Hind actually did get a good chance, but he missed it. We defended well, but we never looked at like scoring. And then in extra time, a player by the name of Franz Roth burst through and chipped chipped Norrie Martin and goal and scored 106 minutes. Uh, it was in Germany, the vast majority of supporters there were supporting Bayern. The place went nuts, pitch invasions, the whole lot. Bayern won one 0 just never looked like equalizing. Um, as I say, that Bayern were a, they were a good team. But the Dortmund team we had beaten earlier in the competition were actually a better team at that at that point in time. They finished above Bayern in the league that year. And I think the majority of yeah. people of that generation that were around in 1967 would tell you. That if George McLean and Jim and especially Jim Forrest or even Alec Willoughby, if two of those three had played in that final, or maybe even one of those three had played in that final, the Rangers would probably be sitting here today with two European trophies in the cabinet instead of one. So that uh, was the story of 1966
0: 67. Yeah, uh-huh. it is crazy to think though that you know, obviously, we don't want to talk too much about any other teams, being any part of no, no, no. But, to have two Scottish clubs and two European finals in the same year, as you know, it as It's incredible. It's an incredible thing to imagine. I can't imagine that now. can you imagine that? I
1: mean, I, don't. It wasn't that season. I don't think. But
0: Oh, and
1: no, no, sorry. There was that season Celtic in the European Cup. I was going to say what I was going to say was it wasn't that season, but there was other Scottish teams got to semi-finals around about then. So, yeah. the likes of Kumarma reached the European semi final, Dundee reached the European semi final, then Fernand then reached the European semi final, and they were all running about really? within two or three years of that year. So, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> when you look at Dundee United getting beat 7 0 the other night away, mean all <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah. To, to imagine these, and it's great, I mean, it's great memories, but, uh, you know, uh, it's incredible to think about it, incredible at all to think about it.
1: Yeah, so anyway, I suppose the the the, the ending to this story, obviously, is the way that. It was third time lucky. Well it wasn't lucky, but it was third time went good when we just next reached the European Cup winners' cup final. Because it was the European Cup Winners' Cup final again for the third time we reached the final in 1972 when we we finally brought it home.
0: I think um, I think well, that maybe scored one and
1: Boy Johnson scored. Yeah, of
0: course. But I think I think that deserves its own episode, perhaps.
1: I think so. I think we'll we'll do a we'll do a pod probably just about 71-72 because it deserves it.
0: Yep. Uh, so that more or less brings us To the end of this episode then uh, On behalf of the GLS TV I just want to say David Herald Thank you very very much again for your time It's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure And no uh, please check out The rest of our podcasts uh, Check out David Hill's books books On Amazon please as well uh, Absolutely fascinating Do you want to tell them quickly about that before we go? Well,
1: there's a new one coming out called Kings of the League Cup Which uh, I'll, I'm posting on them. Uh, if you, if you, I'll ask the JR's TV guys to post it on their Facebook It'll page, live. and people can read about it.
0: Okay, fantastic. Okay, so thanks you very much for listening. And join us again for the history of Rangers on Jesus TV Bye for now. Bye.